Welcome to the VBAC Link Podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes 1, 2, and 3. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Good morning, women of strength. This is episode nine of the VBACLink podcast, and we are so excited today. I have my friend Kristen on the phone, and Kristen is from Indianapolis, Indiana, and she reached out to me over Facebook Messenger um, two days after we launched our podcast, and I was so excited when she reached out to me um, asking to share her story because... Her story is incredible. This is episode nine, and I'm just going to turn it right over to Kristen. Kristen, the favorite part about your story for me was just knowing that you had a home birth transfer that ended up with vacuum delivery. Do you want to go ahead and share your story with everybody? Absolutely, I'd love to. Thank you. I I guess I will start with our oldest son. He will be five this year, so time just goes so quickly, but um, he is my C-section baby. My husband and I, um, we were ready and excited to have him. We um, we prepared. We I, re- I had just recently watched The Business of Being Born, I wanted to try to go unmedicated, so we were. I had watched that. I had. I thought about getting a doula, but then at the time we were a little bit more just financially strapped at that time in our lives. So, although we could have budgeted and done it, we felt like it wasn't a necessity. So I used the OB group that I, a close family member had used and had great experiences with. Um, she had already had two babies with them. I had an uncomplicated pregnancy, no issues, no blood pressure, no gestational diabetes, nothing like that, just totally easy. I wouldn't say that I like being pregnant, but I didn't have <laughs> any complications or issues. So we felt like we were ready. We did the natural childbirth class at the hospital. I do remember when they covered the intervention section of the class, um, vacuum. Uh, forceps, C-section, kind of all of those things that could happen in a delivery. I don't remember feeling arrogant about it. I think it was just kind of, uh, I was naive. I I kind of checked out at that time and I thought to myself, wow, it's really terrible for those moms who have to have those because I'm going to go natural and I'm not going to need a C-section and I'm not oh, going to yeah. need those kinds of things. Oh, yeah, you never think so, it's going to happen to no. you. <laughs> <laughs> and, again, it wasn't because I looked down on any of those moms who had mm-hmm. those things come up. I just didn't think it would happen to me. And that's the only way I can describe it. I don't feel like I was arrogant. I just feel like I was naive. 
So I went into labor on my own at exactly 39 weeks. Um, and I just, both with both of my boys, I just kind of knew that it was the real thing. I don't really know how, um, but I didn't have a lot of prodromal labor with either one. I just woke up in the middle of the night both times. So I knew it was labor. It was about midnight. Um, I tried to sleep, but I was too excited. And even in the early stages, even when they were coming seven to ten minutes apart, it's just kind of uncomfortable, especially mm-hmm. when it is the real thing. It's your first time, and you don't really know what to expect what to expect. So I remember getting up and kind of sitting on my labor ball, trying to rest on the couch or sit in the nursery and just take in the moment that I was going to be rocking a baby there soon. It was kind of surreal. But eventually I woke up my husband and I wanted to just kind of take it easy, take it slow, because I knew that first time babies could take a while. Um, But he went into dad mode immediately and didn't want me to shower. It was kind of like a do not pass go situation, even though my contractions were still maybe five minutes apart, something like that, five to seven. They were coming regularly, but not super close together. So we went ahead and left for the hospital, and I think it was about 5 a.m. So I went into labor at midnight. I woke him up maybe at around 4, kind of fuzzy on on the details, but uh, we got to the hospital. They checked me in, and I was three centimeters. So although I was happy that my body was working, I was hoping that I was going to be, you know, closer to four, even five, mm-hmm. but that's okay. I got checked in. I wish they would have told me, go home, you're not quite in active labor yet, or go walk the parking lot, you know, any of those things. And that, yeah. I think, is a, is a, if we had had a doula and I had texted or called her and said, we're at three centimeters, she probably would have said, well, I would suggest maybe doing these things, but it's up to you. Um, but we didn't have that. So we got checked in. Um, I remember getting in the tub fairly early on, and I knew that it could slow down labor, but I didn't really care that much. Um, they had <laughs> wanted me to have an IV. I think it's a Heplot. I wasn't connected to anything, but I remember the water felt amazing because, and I don't remember if you labored in the water, but it just takes the pressure off. It takes the weight off. It makes you, it's just like swimming. Just, yes. It takes kind of the the punch of the contractions away, and it's wonderful. Um, but I was hanging my, I had to hang my hand out of the tub because I had that IV hip lock in. So it it was good, um, but it wasn't ideal necessarily. Um, and they wanted me to, they kept wanting me to get out so they could check the baby. And just going from the water to out of the water for me was awful. It was torture. You just go from kind of being weightless, having the edge taken off the contractions, to immediately feeling heavy and just feeling every single contraction full force. Right. Um, so. I I wasn't I wouldn't say that I was prepared for that. Although I had read all of these birth stories, I read Ina May, I was looking into birth without fear, reading all these stories and I felt prepared. The hospital setting was not great for me and I don't want to blame it on the hospital. I just don't think I was prepared or or that wasn't good for me particularly. Um our nurse, I think, was, was pretty young and inexperienced. She was kind, but she didn't really offer a lot in the way of, you know, natural birth assistance. I don't think she 
had probably seen very many patients. And I know that that's fairly common. But she kept asking me if I wanted an epidural, even though we had said that we would prefer to not have anyone ask that. And I, again, think it's because she recognized that I wasn't handling labor all that well. Um, so I did end up getting an epidural at about six centimeters. Um, it then took me, I think, 10 to 12 hours to dilate from six centimeters to 10. My labor just kind of stalled out. And I think there, they, there was Pitocin increased a couple times. I don't remember all of the details of that. But I... I finally got to 10 centimeters. I remember when I started pushing, I could still feel his little legs up in my ribs. He was always very, very high. And I pushed for three hours, and he wouldn't come. I, the OB, um, well, the nurse didn't know how to coach me in pushing, so she had to go get the OB to tell me how to push, which oh again is just lends itself to her inexperience. She was mm-hmm. kind to us. She wasn't, she wasn't unkind. It was okay. But in uh, every single postpartum nurse I had there was incredible. I think I just kind of didn't get someone in, in, for my situation, I didn't get a nurse who was equipped to help me. And I think a doula could have made all the difference. And with my second son, I will, you'll see why I think that. <laughs> um, but I, I just pushed and pushed and pushed. He even suggested turning off the epidural because I couldn't feel anything. So I, I don't think I was pushing all that effectively at first. Um, so we, put, we turned off the epidural, and he, he just wouldn't move down. Um, but there was no, again, a doula, I think, could have said, you know, maybe we can turn off the epidural and try to get you in a different position or try these things to see if we can get baby to move down, but I didn't have that. So although I think everyone did an adequate job, I just feel like no one really went above and beyond. So I signed the consent form for the C-section, was just devastated, and we had the C-section. We had to wait maybe five or six hours after we signed the consent form because they kept having emergency C-sections come in. Uh, My husband and I didn't really know because after we signed the forms and they turned my epidural back up, we slept because we were just exhausted. Yeah, you've been working so hard. Because by then it had been, I went into labor around midnight, and it was probably midnight because I got the, let's see, I started pushing around 10 p.m., I think, pushed for, I think, three hours, so it would have been about one in the morning. Um, but our my, my entire family, parents, siblings, and their spouses and kiddos, his entire family, they were all in the waiting room, and no one had updated them for hours because we were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and there, you have to have an access code to get onto the floor, so they couldn't reach us. They couldn't get onto the floor. So I think there was a little bit of panic for a little bit yeah. when at least one or two of the moms woke up and realized it's like 5 a.m. and we don't have an update. What's happening? Um, but all was well. They kept remarking over and over again, he's so stable. He's so stable. We, we don't generally see babies stay this stable for this long, especially probably with an epidural and Pitocin and all of those mm-hmm. interventions. But he was great. He just was really cozy and wasn't necessarily that interested in coming out. So we did the C-section. 
again, perfectly adequate care, but I felt like a vessel on a table being delivered of a baby. I didn't, Mm -hmm. it felt very much like this is their everyday life. It didn't feel like a joyful, this is the birth of your baby kind of thing. Um, There was no music playing. No one asked us if we wanted music. I, they, the doctor delivered him and said, oh my goodness, no wonder he wouldn't come out. He's huge. He ended up being nine pounds, one ounce. Um, so he did lift him up to show me, and at this point, I don't think family-centered cesareans were that popular or well-known. Right. I didn't really know about them, so they didn't offer that. Um, they they lifted him up to show me, but then they immediately took him over to check him out, and my husband went over with him as I w- wanted, but I was asking, how is he? Is he okay? I want to see him, and no one could hear me or responded to me. Um, So even though he was fine and I was fine, it was just, I didn't feel like a person. I didn't feel like a mother was born that day. And that sounds maybe kind of hokey, but I felt really forgotten in that moment. And because of some past trauma that I had in my life that I didn't recognize then, that moment and that experience would greatly impact my postpartum depression and my PTSD from my birth. Um, So the first year of our son's life was hard. I felt like, again, I don't, I do not feel like this of every woman who has a cesarean. I know they're, they can be life-saving and women have healing, wonderful C-sections every day. But for me, it was devastating. For me, I felt like a complete failure. I struggled against perfectionism my whole life and I felt like I had failed to birth my baby mm-hmm. and then my milk never really adequately came in. So I felt like I had failed to birth my baby and then I felt like I had failed to feed my baby. I can relate so to that I would, so much. I'm gosh, so sorry. It's so hard. <laughs> it's yeah. five years later and I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, and I understand. I'm <laughs> but it, it still gets me. But um, So every morning I felt like I would just hold him and cry, and every night I would hold him and cry. And my poor husband is the most wonderful, um, empathetic, sensitive man, and he would hold me while I cried um, and tell me, you know, he tried to understand and he never said terrible things to me. He was always very patient and wonderful and kind, but I know that that year was hard for him too. Um, it was just... It was just hard. I never wanted to harm our baby. I, you know, I was never that situation where, where I was afraid of hurting him. But I, yeah. I felt like a terrible mother. I just, I felt completely inadequate in every way, and most people didn't really get that. I felt very alone, because when you walk out of the hospital or are wheeled out of the hospital with a healthy baby, and you're healthy, people don't understand. Um, and if you can't breastfeed, well, there's formula. And he, I did end up getting some donor milk, and he, he did fine on that. Um, but we, did, he was a formula baby, and he's perfectly fine, but it just wasn't what I wanted for my baby. I just assumed, again, naively, that I would be able to nurse him and that I would be able to do so for as long as we both wanted until that relationship ended. So I really struggled to bond with him, even though I adored him and thought he was the most beautiful, perfect baby. It was a really hard year. 
Um, so we didn't. We waited for a while, both financially and because um, of that trauma. And I will say that I started going to therapy when he was about five months old. So if there are any moms listening who are struggling with postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, know that you're not alone, but that there are resources out there to help you and you don't have to struggle alone. Um, having a newborn is hard enough, let alone when you feel like you can't, you can't function or you're crying every single day. That's, you need help, and that's okay if you need help. Yes, um, and ICANN was hugely helpful for me. I found them online on my own because the hospital, I didn't have any resources. They have resources. They have a, a therapy, a group therapy session there, but no one mentioned that to me. Um, even when I went to my either two-week or six-week appointment crying, no one recognized you might need help, and we have the resources on the first floor of our hospital that can help you. Um, so I found I can, and I found a story that they had posted of a woman kind of recounting the birth of her baby, and I felt exactly the same way, and that's when I realized I wasn't alone. Um, so I found the I can support group in Indianapolis, met a few friends there, and then when we were ready to start trying again, um, I knew I wanted a completely different story for myself and for this baby. So right before we started trying, I met with a midwife who I had had a couple of friends deliver with a home birth midwife. I met with a doula who I had a couple of friends from ICANN who had, they had had her as their doula and absolutely adored her. And we chose to hire both of them. We knew that they were the way we wanted to go when we did get pregnant. Um, my doula has been... In the, working in the community for like 15 years. She's been a doula for hundreds of babies. And awesome. our midwife, um, yeah, has been practicing, I don't know how many years, but much longer than our doula at least. So they are very seasoned, very knowledgeable, very kind, warm, loving women. And I knew that they would take good care of us. So I did preconception consultations with both of them. My doula actually said that was her first one in 14 years. No one has ever come to her before they've been pregnant. But I really struggled <laughs> with indecision in my first pregnancy. And I knew that when I was pregnant, even if we made the decision, I would question it. So I wanted to be clear-headed and not have all of these hormones impacting my decision. So yes. <laughs> we hired both of them, yes, when we got pregnant. And we were blessed both times to not have any fertility issues. So we got pregnant pretty easily and quickly. And from the beginning, I just, midwifery care with a doula was, was exactly what I needed. I felt so taken care of. Every appointment with our midwife was, you know, at least an hour long where we would just sit at her table and she would ask how I was feeling, not just physically but emotionally and kind of what's going on, what's, you know, how, where is your head, how is your nutrition, like how, just how are you? And I felt like I was really seen and that was huge for me because I hadn't really felt seen with mm -hmm. my first pregnancy. Um, and again, with my past trauma, I had no idea how important that was for me, but it was huge to just feel like I was recognized as a, 
as a beautiful woman who is going to give birth. And again, it sounds so hokey, like there should be flowers coming out. Mm-hmm. Right now, no, it doesn't sound hokey. <laughs> yeah, whoever they, whatever model of care they, they use or wherever they choose to birth, I wish every woman could feel that empowered and that taken care of because we deserve to be taken care of yes. and seen. Um, so my pregnancy was uncomplicated with the exception of um, the placement of my placement of my placenta, I think gave my midwife a little bit of pause. So we had multiple ultrasounds just to check for that because she was afraid that I had placenta accreta. But thankfully, I did not. Um, and we continued on with no complications, no issues. And right around, I think it was, I gave birth to both of my babies at 39 weeks and two days with my first, since he took two days to get here. And then my due date was a little bit gray with this one because uh, the ultrasounds were a few days off from what I thought. So we were still in the 39-week window with him when I went into labor. I woke up at about 2, I think, in labor. And again, I just knew that it was it. I just knew. And my midwife, we were Facebook friends at that point, or doula, I'm sorry, I was Facebook friends with both, (laughs) Um, which is another different, complete difference. But um, Mm -hmm. I texted her immediately, my doula, because she had had about a birth a day, because every day she would tell me, okay, I'm going to a birth. If you need me and I'm unavailable here, it's my backup's information. So I wanted to make sure, although I'm sure her her backup doulas were completely adequate. I I loved her and I wanted her. So mm-hmm. I texted her immediately when I was in labor and let her know it was baby day. And um, I remember her telling me that she was going to get caught up on her dishes and that she would, she would come whenever I needed her and just to, to keep her posted. Um, so as with my first, my contractions seemed to pretty um, quickly go into a regular rhythm that that these were timeable, that this was actually the day. So I let my midwife know. I woke up my husband. We let my mother-in-law know because she was going to be taking our um, older boy. And everything was kind of set in motion. It was really exciting to know that we weren't going to be going anywhere, that everyone was going to be coming to us. Um, The tub had been set up for a couple weeks now since I went into labor before my due date. We wanted to make sure that it was ready to go. And it was just this really exciting time. Um, and I, I just remember feeling really happy that our baby was going to be born at our house and probably that day. Little did I know. But um, <laughs> our doula got here around 7.30 in the morning. And then our, my mother-in-law came to pick up our older son and took him. My doula and I just walked the neighborhood for a while when I was in early, early labor. And the contractions were, were coming, but they were, I could walk through them and talk through them, and she was helping me cope. Um, the midwife did come over and check me, and I think I was four centimeters. And I just remember feeling really happy about that, that you know, I was already at four centimeters and feeling really good that I was managing managing fine and and things were good. So she left for a little bit and came back later. And everything, when you go unmedicated and get to a certain point, everything is kind of, it's kind of fuzzy because you're in what they call (laughs) labor land. So I don't remember the timing of everything. But I also had a dear friend 
who was a midwife at a facility in town um, who couldn't be my midwife for that reason because she wasn't a, a, a practicing home birth midwife um, at that time. But she came over also just as a friend to support me. So I had her, I had my midwife, I had my midwife's assistant, my husband, and my doula all just totally there for me, kind of staying in the background, but getting me food, drinks, just staying quiet, but just serving me. And it was just this really beautiful thing to, as I look back on it, to, to experience. Um, I would just get in and out of the tub as needed. I remember sitting on my labor ball for a while and doing um, some stairs, walking up and down the stairs. And it all is just kind of kind of blurry. But my midwife came back at one point, and after she was there a while, I remember I was eight centimeters. She was checking me, and she was checking for baby's position. And she so she was you know, checking a little bit more aggressively than I think she normally would. But she accidentally broke my water. And at that point, I think, is where I started having these awful pains that were constant. They didn't go away. They weren't contraction pains that would that would come and then disappear and then come and then disappear. So there was no break. It was just this constant pain in my right side, um, like my the, my the front of my hip all the way back to my bottom, like all the way back that just radiated and just made me honestly want to, to give up. I, I couldn't do, I didn't know how I was going to do this because I think when she broke my water, baby moved and I think he moved down on my sciatic nerve is my guess. Um, mm. But it was, I had been managing pretty well, but at that point it was completely unmanageable. I couldn't get kind of above the waves, so I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, they were, they had given me an IV at some point with some fluid because I was vomiting, and they, my doula was trying to get me to lay down on the bed and put a peanut ball between my legs to see if she could move, if baby would move. They were doing the rebozo. I mean, they were were trying everything to get baby to kind of move down because like our first, he was just kind of, he was high up. He wasn't that interested in moving. So I think he was malpositioned. But um, everything they were trying to get me to do was just so, so painful and I couldn't push through. So finally, I got back in the tub but it was still just really struggling. And I looked at my husband and I said, I can't do this anymore. I want to go to the hospital. And immediately at that moment, the energy in the room just completely shifted. Um, and so they all, everyone had been in the room and they all said, okay, we're going to give you a minute. Talk to your husband and um, we'll talk after that. So I looked at him and I said, I can't. I would tears streaming down my face. Like, I cannot do this anymore. You have to get me to the hospital. Um, I, couldn't put, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, our doula at that point came back in and said, you, um, she said, you had told me you didn't want to transfer for pain management. And I looked at her and I said, this is different. This is not 
I can't do this. Um, so in that moment, I thought I wanted to go back to the hospital where we had delivered our first son just because it was familiar. I know what to expect. And she looked at me and she said, if you go back to that hospital, you are going to have another C-section. And it really hurt my feelings then. Yeah. <laughs> I I, and I said, don't, don't say that to me. And she said, I have to say that to you because I think it's true. So we immediately, you know, we switched gears and decided to go to the hospital where my friend is on staff as a midwife. But I didn't, I didn't know if she would be going with us. She wasn't on call, and I just didn't know the protocol for that. So my midwife, I rode with my midwife and her assistant to the hospital, kind of moaning at 9.5 centimeters, because at this point, if I haven't said that, I was at 9.5 centimeters, but had been stuck there for several hours and just moaning in the back seat and her t- apologizing with every bump she hit, trying to be so careful to get there so quickly. Um, so they got me checked in. It felt like it took an eternity, but they did. They got me a medication to kind of ease the contractions, which helped some, but really just made me really sleepy also. So they, they finally got me checked in, got me in a room, and were ready to um, starting to to talk about getting the epidural administered. And my friend walked in in her scrubs. <laughs> And I just, I, I just started crying because I felt like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be okay. This is gonna be good. And I got the epidural, and it, they kept telling me, we don't know if this is going to be effective because you're so far along, because you're nine and a half centimeters, and you have been for several hours. We don't know how this is gonna work, but it worked. Thank. God. <laughs> and I say that with every ounce of my being. Thank you, God, because I don't know if I, what I would have done, um, but yeah. it worked. We were able to rest for a few hours, all of us. My doula was in um, a chair. My husband was on the couch. I was sleeping. The midwife and her assistant had come back to our house to clean up our house, which mm-hmm. is another benefit of home birth. They cleaned up yes. the pool. They cleaned up everything. <laughs> so my water that had broken hours earlier and was trailing from my entire house, they cleaned it all. Um, and they were planning to come back later, but they had been checking in with um, my friend and the doula and knew that I was in really good hands. So at that point, I think they just knew that we were had great care and that they would be summoned if they were needed, but um, they chose to stay back, which is, I'm completely fine with. But So we rested for a few hours. The OB on call came in and was talking to me. She asked if I had a birth plan, <laughs> which made me want to hug her just on the spot. So my doula shared uh, our hospital birth plan, VBAC birth, birth plan, and cesarean birth plan, and she was fine with both of those. I had told her specifically what I didn't like about my first C-section, that I didn't feel seen, that I didn't feel it was celebratory, that I wanted him on my skin immediately and trying to nurse in the OR, that I just wanted to feel connected to my baby and wanted the talk to only be about the birth of my baby, not about the Hawaiian vacation that my OB had just come back from, which was the case with the first. So she was respectful of all of those things. She felt like they could do all of those things. It was amazing. Yes, it was so good. Um, so I was still at nine and a half centimeters all night long. 
I got the epidural at maybe, I think, 10 p.m. that night. And my midwife's friend came in at some point, kind of in the middle of the night, maybe 3 or 4, and said, I think we need to try try to move baby down and get you to push because I think she knew that even though the OB was, was staying back that I was probably going to be on some kind of a time clock since my water had broken and I was a VBAC and I think she knew how much I wanted this. So she was getting me in all sorts of different positions, getting me up and they were, she, the doula and my nurse were doing all of this, like lifting my body because I could not feel anything. Um, so they were moving me down on the bed to try to just change baby's position because they had realized that he was probably just not positioned all that great. Um, and just going above and beyond exactly what what I think I could have had the first time because, again, I dilated fine. Baby is super stable but doesn't seem to be positioned all that well, which was the case with our first. And so because he's not positioned all that well, he's not moving down into my birth canal. So we did this for a while. He was moving down, and I started pushing, and I pushed for a few hours again. The OB would just come in every now and then and check on me, but then leave. So she was pretty much leaving it up to the midwife and RN on duty and the doula. She was just letting us do our thing, which I really, really appreciated. And finally she came in, and baby was was pretty well down there. When I would push, they could, they could start to see kind of the top of his head when they would, um, when they would look. <laughs> and she said, I think you're doing an amazing job, but I also think you're getting really tired. And she said, I, you can keep pushing on your own if you want, but I do think there's a chance I can get this baby out with a vacuum. Um, she said, so it's, it's up to you guys but I, do, I just think you're getting really tired. It's been a really long day. Yeah. And my husband and I talked it over and agreed to let her place the vacuum. So she said, I just want to let you know I'm going to place this. If it comes off three times, if it kind of pops off, that's probably an indication that he's probably not going to come this way and we need to talk about the next step, which I knew was a C-section. But she was... She was wonderful. Everyone on our birth team was amazing. Um, and I, at that point, I kind of knew every single person here has been doing everything they can. I've been given time, even as a VBAC transfer. Mm-hmm. I have an amazing RN on staff named Joni, whose name I still remember. My friend, who is not on call, came to help me deliver our baby. And I have a doula with 14 years of experience and a patient, wonderful, loving husband. Like every single thing that I wanted and needed the first time around, I have now. So if this doesn't happen, if I have a repeat C-section, I honestly know that everything that could be done has been done. And for me, that kind of that felt like it would be enough. Although I know that I would still have struggled not getting my V back, I would have known, okay, everybody did everything they could, which I can't say the first time around. So yeah. she placed the vacuum, and my doula at that point said, hey, do you, didn't you have music on your phone? Don't you have a labor playlist? Do you want to have music when this baby is born? Again, bless you. I could kiss you. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. Um, so I think we listened to a little Justin Timberlake first. And then 
this song is really special to me, and I'm going to try not to cry, but when I was walking into my annual visit with my, um, my OBGYN about six months after having our first son, I was really nervous just to walk in that hospital again because that's where their offices were. And I remember Sarah Varellis' song Brave came on, and I just thought I cranked it up and sang, and I was like, okay, Kristen, do this. You can be brave. You can do this. Yeah. So I had put that on my, yeah, <laughs> I had put that on my labor playlist, and I told her I want that song. So our son, she placed the vacuum, and within maybe three contractions, I don't remember exactly, but it was fast. After three hours of pushing, after three contractions, I pushed my baby out to that song. <laughs> um, and I will say two things that I forgot is that when he, I had put into my birth plan that I wanted to birth my, you know, like be the first person to touch my baby. When we thought we were having a home birth, I wanted to actually, you know, deliver him myself depending on the position I was in. Um, I couldn't do that in this position, but the OB knew that from my birth plan, and she said, do you, when when his head was close to being born, she said, reach down and touch your baby's head. Mm. And I did, and I just was heaving sobs, just sobbing so much so that she looked at my friend and said, I think she's going to cry this baby out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just this incredible moment that I'm still riding the high of a year later. The NICU team did have to be in the room since he was a vacuum-assisted baby. They stayed on the other side of the curtain very respectfully Um and the entire time I was pushing, they were cheering me on, saying, go, you can do it, you're amazing. Aww. And then when he actually, yes, <laughs> when he actually came, they all cheered for me. So I'm just, all of the pictures we have that my doula took, which I'm so thankful for, um, I'm just sobbing. There's just so much emotion on my face. You can see it because that's exactly what I had wanted. So even though... We had to transfer to the hospital, and he was a vacuum baby, so it didn't go exactly, completely smoothly. Um, Every single person on that birth team was incredible. Um, And my first son had been nine pounds, one ounce, nine pounds, one ounce, delivered via cesarean. And our second son was nine pounds, one ounce, a VBAC baby. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> oh, those chunky babies. Isn't that love incredible? Them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I have such large babies. My body just grows them big. <laughs> my husband, I'm 5'2", and my husband is 5'7", five, 5'8", five, so we're not, you know, tall or big people. I, my body just, just grows them big. <laughs> um, but I... You know, I think some people really just thought you can't, you can't, no wonder you couldn't birth this baby because he was nine pounds, which is exactly what the OB said. Not that you couldn't have, but that he was big. But I I delivered a nine pound baby and it was so euphoric. It was everything that I wanted. It was beautiful. And I just wish that every single woman, again, felt that supported and that loved and that seen 
Awesome. I seriously want to high five everyone on your hospital birth <laughs> team. Like everybody that even saw you during your hospital, like I, I want to give them a high five. I just think that even being a, um, a home birth transfer, having that support and that love and that encouragement, um, oh my gosh, it had to feel so good. Yeah, I think maybe there were kind of those murmurs around, but I didn't feel them, and I didn't have anyone in my room, with the exception of the anesthesiologist, the resident, and the attending were not my favorite, Mm -hmm. Um, but I only needed them for about an hour, and then that's okay, you can be dismissed now and let me (laughs) rock my birth. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's awesome. But even the nurses, when we transferred from the, um, the postpartum, like the immediately labor and delivery to postpartum, the nurses there, every single nurse we passed were saying, congratulations. You, and I don't know that they knew our story. I don't know that they knew the circumstances, you know, of me coming in as a transfer. If They say that for every mom, but it was perfect from start awesome. to finish. When I entered that hospital, it was an amazing experience. That must have been so healing for you, especially after such a it rough was. experience with your first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was perfect in every single way. I just wanted to share for our listeners some indications where vacuum-assisted vaginal delivery might be necessary. Um, Everybody out there that wants to find, there's this whole informational article in the PubMed website, and you can just go to Google and type in PMC26729. Eight nine, um, and it'll pull this up in the first result in Google, and I'll have a link to this in our episode summary as well. Um, it talks about vacuum-assisted and just um, assisted vaginal delivery, but um, indications where vacuum-assisted delivery might be necessary is uh, just like Kristen said, that lack of progress for three hours. You've been pushing for three hours with an epidural or two hours without an epidural, But that is something to consider um, if that baby isn't coming out. And, of course, it's on a case-by-case basis, and every woman needs to make that decision with her trusted birth team. Um, Another indication would be if there's concerns about the baby, heart rate, or things like that where immediate delivery could be necessary. Um, There's a couple other indications here that um, you should go on and read about this. Like, Like we said at the beginning of this episode, 